we are going to look at the life of Jesus and see what can be for us as we continue to yield our lives to the activity of the Holy Spirit. And this week, the part of Jesus' life that we're going to be dwelling in or meandering through will be the section of his life of his suffering and his death. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to help us be more like Jesus in our own sufferings and our own deaths. And you go, well, deaths? Well, there's many deaths in our life. There's all kinds of things, if you walk with Jesus, that the Spirit of the Lord is going to invite you to put away. He's going to invite you to let go. He's going to invite you to let die in your life because out of that death, he wants to bring resurrection. He's going to let something not as good that you maybe are holding to die so that he can resurrect something better in your life. So we need to think about this um, this idea of how do we suffer and literally how do we let things die in our lives. And that's what this week is going to, all, going to be all about. And really, we are going to place as our desire this week what the Apostle Paul said was his greatest desire. We said we covered, we looked at this one verse a little while ago when we were going through the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul wrote this, that I may know him, and him is Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship, it means relationship with him, of his suffering, and be conformed or become like him, conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said that that was, really he's saying that's his highest calling. Paul knew that walking with Jesus was not only about knowing the power of the resurrection, and I think especially those of us who are in the, in the Pentecostal charismatic world, we're all about the power of the resurrection. That's the stuff that we love. That's the stuff we want to dwell on. That's the stuff we want to think about. You know, God healing the sick and, and, and providing blessings and, and delivering us from our issues. And all those things are good and right. But that walking with Jesus was also about being conformed to his death, Paul is saying. And walking through suffering the way that Jesus walked through suffering. Now let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Talking about suffering and death isn't something that we usually like to do. If I would have said this morning, hey everybody, not only is it snowing out, but we're going to talk about your suffering and your death. I'm pretty sure we'd even have a number of less seats um, being filled up. Um, You know, I think we live in a culture, in the culture, that probably tries harder than any other culture currently in existence or any culture that has ever existed. We try harder to avoid at all cost suffering and talking about death. Because those things just don't fit within our goals, our trajectory of what we want in life. You know, what do we really want? If we're really honest with ourselves, take all the fluff out. What are we really, most people, honestly looking for? Pleasure, security, fun, ease, those are the things that we really want. But Paul, we just read, and Ignatius in this process, and surely Jesus understood that suffering and death are part of human life, and they want us to understand 
that suffering and the death of many things are not things to be avoided. Even though our culture tries to avoid it, let's, let's stay so busy we don't think about this stuff, or let's use our resources so we don't have to engage in suffering. But they're trying to tell us they're not things to be avoided. In fact, Paul, he says this, he welcomed. This, this is crazy. If you stop and listen to what Paul says, he welcomed the fellowship or the relationship, and fellowship is a good relationship, the fellowship of suffering with Jesus because he knew that there would be a benefit and a blessing of doing that. He knew one thing, that his character would be formed, that we're formed in suffering, and then we're formed in the depth of these things, that we let go, these lesser things we let go to get greater things. He understood that. And he also understood this. He saw it's a fellowship. The fellowship is about relationship. There's a fellowship that happens with Jesus in suffering that happens no other way. Matter of fact, um, if you... Talk to people who have suffered greatly and are suffering greatly. And I've done this. And you say, is Jesus really with you? Without a doubt, every person I've ever asked that question has said, Jesus is with me greater in suffering than any other time. And they'll say this, I don't want to go through the suffering. I wouldn't wish that upon myself. If they'd come out the other side, they don't want to be, they don't want to ever go back there, but they'll say, I would never trade it. Because Jesus was never nearer to me than when I suffered. And Paul, that's what he's getting at. He's saying there's a fellowship of the suffering. So today and this week, we are going to spend our time dwelling on, and I'm inviting you to spend time dwelling on the suffering and the death of Jesus. And like the previous weeks, Ignatians offers us um, a focus for the week, um, the purpose of the week. And in every week, what have we learned? They're called the what? The grace I seek. That every week he's going to set, say, hey, here's your focus for the week. And he calls it the grace I seek. And we've been reading those every week. And so let me say, this is the, let me read to you the grace I seek from Ignatian for this week as we're talking about living into the suffering and death of Jesus. And remember, these are on a, the handout that are out in the Connection Center. They're online um, on Facebook and on our website. So you don't have to. Some people said, I can't write that fast. I'm saying they're, they're all provided for you. Here's what Ignatius says for this week. The grace I seek this week. Lord, my desire is to experience what you went through in your passion. Help me to see and feel. Lord, give me also a heightened sense of sorrow, regret, and confusion. How could this possibly be? Because you are going to your passion, your suffering, and your death for my sin. And Lord, give me such compassion for you that I also actually suffer as I meditate through your passion and your death. What we can see here is that Ignatius Ignatius wants to give us the gift of this, we call it a week, and for us it literally is a week, where we get to engage in the scripture with the Holy Spirit in order to try to experience the reality of Jesus' suffering and death as much as is possible by by being here and looking at a thing that's 2,000 years old. And I think, friends, this is really important. This is something that, that generally, without a template like Ignatius lays out, we would all skip. If I said, create a, create a retreat for the weekend um, for all your friends in church, I'm pretty much sure not one of us would say, you know what we ought to do? We ought to spend a big part of it just trying to suffer 
with Jesus, actually engage in such a way that we kind of feel, we actually experience suffering. We all go, well, that's not fun. What we're learning from Ignatius and from Jesus and from Paul is it has incredible benefit. See, this is important for us. See, I think it is so easy for us just to acknowledge that Jesus suffered and died. We read it. Um, I was going to point it out, but there are so many other things I want to cover today. In one of the gospel versions of the crucifixion, of Jesus' death and suffering, it simply says this, and they crucified him. I mean, think of those words, and they crucified him. Four words. That meant they took him and they laid him on a cross and they pounded nails to his side and they stabbed him in the side of the spear. You know, not to mention the fact that they had beat him mercilessly before that. All this stuff. We say, oh yeah, yeah, suffering. You know, Jesus died. Jesus suffered and died for my sins. Yeah, that's just part of the story. But I think that the magnitude and the impact of God himself coming to earth as one of us, feeling pain like we feel, feeling emotions like we feel, and yielding himself to crucifixion, to beating, humiliation, and crucifixion, you know, having his hands and his feet nailed to a cross and dying of agonizing death by suffocation, I think that often the way we look at it, it's just diminished. You know, it's not, it doesn't have the impact because, you know, you know and they crucified him. Next, next paragraph. Jesus' suffering and death were horrific. And we need to try to allow the Holy Spirit to help us feel that. And why? Why is it just being macabre? Is it just being, you know, focused on the thing that we shouldn't do? It's the resurrection. Let's not worry about that. No. If we understand and we can actually be influenced to somehow in our emotion get a greater grasp of this, it affects how we understand the love of God. It, underst- it, it, it accentuates what the love of God is all about. When we really get what he went through for us, it affects how we understand the love of God and then will affect how we also then choose to live our lives in response to the love of God. We ask this question, how should we live in light of what Jesus has done for us? That's what happens when we just don't gloss over four words. And Ignatian wants us to consider this. He wants us to be serious about this. And this is what I want for us today and this week. That we would take time to experience and appreciate what Jesus went through for each of us, every single, not only us, but for every single person on the planet. I tell you, friends, if you want to have unity in the world, you know, understand it's never going to happen politically, but when you understand that Jesus died for every single soul on the planet. It puts us all on the same ground. It makes us all level. That's what brings unity to the world. That he really did suffer and die for every single one of us. I want us to consider this. How does a serious contemplation of Jesus' suffering and death affect our lives from today going forward? How can it affect that? Because remember, that's what this, this time, this 30 days is all about. The first two segments, we just dealt with what was, what's in the past, how I'm currently. You know, the glory of God, yes, he loves me. That was that was that about. And then the fact that I come way short of that. And what do I have to give up? That was week one. But from week two on, everything is about going forward. And so when we take a serious contemplation, what could happen 
if we take a serious contemplation of Jesus' suffering and death, how would that affect my life going forward? Well, I want to suggest to you three ways, and literally you could come up with 30 ways. We don't have time for all that. But three ways that you can at least use as a framework for yourself this week to, uh, to, to go down, to think, how could this affect my life? Three ways that I see how a serious contemplation of Jesus' suffering and death can affect our lives going forward. Here's the first one. It makes us more conscious of the seriousness of our own sin. We live in a world where sin is a word that people don't even believe is real anymore. That's just the reality of our culture. Sin is not even, to most people, a real word. There's no concept for it anymore. But here's what we need to understand in light of this. Sin is a big deal. Sin is the reason for all the pain and the loss and the division and the destruction in the world. People say this stuff all the time. I saw, Suzanne pointed out to us a beloved friend that we have who is going through some issues and talking about the political world and said, how could God allow this to happen? And Suzanne stops and said, when will people stop saying God did it? God didn't allow, doesn't allow junk to happen. Sin is the cause for the pain in the world. Sin, men rejecting God's good way. That is the cause for every single negative issue in our world. Our world, including you know, humankind, was created, all of us, were created to live in a sinless world. Love ruled in the world that God created before sin. Death didn't exist. Pain and suffering were non-existent in God's plan for what he was offering to humanity. Enter sin. Satan's tempting the first couple to reject God and his ways and to follow him and his ways. That's sin. Rejecting God's ways. Rejecting God's best. And since that day, death and pain, and confusion, and disunity have ruled the world. We so easily, though, in our world, excuse sin, especially our own sin, especially our own. But friends, it was sin that led God himself to give his self for us on the cross. Jesus died to set us free from the domination of sin and death. If there had never been sin, if we had never sinned or were never going to sin, Jesus never would have suffered the terrible death he willingly submitted to on the cross. Friends, sin is serious. It costs Jesus his life. Peter talked about it like this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter said this, Knowing that you were not redeemed, that means purchased back, with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers. That's inherited a life of sin. But you were redeemed with, the precious, with precious blood. As of a lamb unblemished, unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. He says you were redeemed from sin by the blood of Christ. By the death of Christ. That is serious. Sin is a big deal. So as we contemplate the suffering and the death of Jesus today and this week, the first thing that happens is we realize just how sin, serious sin really is, that it results in death, the death that Christ willingly gave, but it results in death everywhere, every day on this planet. COVID is a result of sin, a sin-broken world. 
and we see it for what it is, and it, hopefully what we say is, and God, I want no part in it. I want you to, from here going forward, I want to be different. I want to be enslaved to sin. I want to live in righteousness and holiness the way you created me to live. So that's one thing that happens as we take a serious contemplation of the suffering and death of Christ. Let's look at another one. And again, these are things that I think they can be, they can be avenues you can walk down today and this week as you contemplate the suffering and the death of Christ and how does that affect your life. So the next thing that can come from contemplating Jesus' suffering is this. It will make us more grateful for what Jesus has done for us. It will make us more grateful for what Jesus has done for us. When we consider that we were all, say all, 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 not almost all, all, eternally lost and condemned by sin and death, all. But Jesus set us free through his suffering and death and resurrection. That should fill our hearts with gratitude. I want us to think about something today. We are all Barabbas. We are all Barabbas. Let me explain. Take your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 23 with me. In the section we're going to look at, in Luke 23, here Jesus is being examined by Pontius Pilate. The Jews have falsely accused him. They've beaten him. He's on a, this is a mock trial he's going through. They're trying to say kill him. He's before Pilate. Pilate's saying, I see absolutely no reason to crucify this guy. I see no reason. I find no guilt in this man deserving any of this. And Pilate says, I, should, I, want, to, I want to punish him and release him. Let's start reading about that in verse 15. No, nor has Herod, for he, he's talking about hasn't, hasn't found guilt, for he sent him back to us, and behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I'll punish him and release him. Now he is obligated to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man and release for us Barabbas. And he was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city and for murder. And Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept crying out, saying, crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, why? What evil has this man done? I found in him no guilt, demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent and with loud voice, Voices asked that he be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Here's the truth. That's why I believe the story is included in Scripture. We are all Barabbas. We are guilty of sin, and we have been punished, sentenced to punishment. But Jesus took our place. Jesus gave his life. He was killed, and Barabbas was set free. We call it the term, we call it substitutionary atonement. The guiltless one taking the punishment willingly for the one who is guilty. 
we have been set free. Our sentence of death has been wiped away just like Barabbas. All because Jesus chose to suffer and die in our place. Jesus could have resisted. Jesus could have walked away. It says a different place. Jesus could have called you know, legions of angels to set him free. But he chose not to do it because he knew it was the will of the Father that he would suffer. He suffered and died in Barabbas's place. Our contemplation of this truth should fill our hearts with awe and gratitude. A real man sentenced to death and a real God giving his life. Imagine the day that that happened and the, the jailer, who Barabbas would know, have no idea what's going on in the city. He's in, locked in prison. And the jailer walks in and he turns the key in the lock and he opens the door and he says, you're free. He's like, but, but, but I was going to die. You're free. This guy's dying instead of you. Friends, in reality, we are all Barabbas who have been granted freedom because Jesus willingly gave his life for us. That should fill our hearts with awe and gratitude. Right? Right. Let's look at one more result of contemplating Jesus' suffering and death. It gives us an example to follow as we go through suffering and the various deaths in our life. Contemplating Jesus' suffering and death gives us an example to follow Remember, we're followers of Jesus. We're not supposed to just read about Jesus and go, oh, that's really cool how he did it. He's the model for us to live out. Gives us an example to follow as we go through suffering and the various deaths that we go through in this life. This week, you are invited to spend time dwelling in the gospel accounts of Jesus' suffering and death. And as you do, I encourage you to notice how Jesus suffered, how Jesus acted and reacted in the midst of, of suffer because his example is there for us to learn from and to grow into. Remember, we talked about it last week. It's God's will, his plan, that we will be continually formed into the image of Jesus. And this is an area of life where Jesus gives us an amazing example of what can be in our lives as we follow him and follow his example. And I want to look at a few examples and see what is, is revealed about how Jesus navigated suffering. Look at Luke chapter 22 with me. And I tried to keep them all right by each other here. Luke 22, starting in verse 39. Let me read this text. Luke 22, Jesus in the garden. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And when they arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and began praying, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. What do we see about how Jesus suffered here? Look at verse 42. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He's talking to the Father. 
He knows what he's going to face. He knows exactly what he's going to face. Remember in the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, remember what they said they were talking to Jesus about on the Mount of Transfiguration? How he was going to suffer and die. He knew exactly what was happening. He looks up to heaven. He says, Father, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus knew his loving heavenly Father. He knew his Father's love was unending. So he could say in the moment, of the, the most difficult moment of his, of his life ever could be, Father, I will follow your will. What was he saying? He's saying, Father, I know this suffering has a purpose. Father, I know I can trust you even though right now I don't want to go through this. And honestly, I don't understand right now. He's saying, Father, I know your love is not in question right now. He didn't say, oh, rotten heavenly God. He said, Father. The same Father he called Abba. Abba, Father. Father, I know your love is not in question in this moment. And that's what I hear people so often do in suffering. As soon as they go through suffering, they turn and say, why God? Instead of saying, why this crud of this world that's destroying by sin and people are willfully engaging in a world of sin, they say, why God? Jesus didn't do that. He said, Father, I know your love is not in question. Your love for me is not in question. That's why you call him Father, Abba. Father, I know your will is always best. That's why you could say, not my will, but yours be done. Friends, imagine how our suffering would change when we walk through it the way Jesus walked through suffering. We walk through it understanding like this, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, I know this suffering somehow is a purpose. Father, I know I can trust you even though I don't understand. Father, I, I know your love is not in question in the midst of this chaos. Father, I know your will is always best. Imagine all the difference that makes as you go through suffering. And friends, if you think you're not going to go through suffering, you're just wrong. Because if it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow. And it might be today. It might be today. And it might have been a hundred todays in a row. Suffering is part of human existence. It makes all the difference to walk through suffering with the perspective that Jesus had. And he invites us to have that perspective because we are his children. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We can walk through suffering the same way Jesus did. Let's look at another situation and see what we find. Also in Luke chapter 22. Just two verses. Verses 50 and 51. This is when they're coming to arrest Jesus. Judas leads a, you know, this rebellion against Jesus. And 50, 50 and 51 says, And one of them, we know it's Peter, struck the slave of the high priest with a sword and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Stop! No more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. We always have to put these things in their real perspective. Remember what's going on here. Jesus knows this is the very beginning of the arrest that's going to lead to his horrible death. An unjustified arrest. And his followers, those he loves, his beloved, Peter, his right-hand man, grabs his sword, comes to his aid and says, I'm going to fight for you. i make you feel good. I'm not alone and Peter lops, trying to cut the head off of the slave, but misses and cuts off his ear. And what does Jesus do? 
he stops his friend and he takes time to heal the hurting man. In the midst of his betrayal and suffering, he saw the need and he gave love. He stopped in the midst of his suffering and he saw the need of another person and he offers his love and his help, his healing in the life of that person. All I can say is, wow. How do we usually act in the midst of the chaos? How do we usually act? Honestly, we lash out and we attack back. Well, you said this, so I'm saying that. One punches and the other one punches back. It's just the way of the world without the example of Jesus. Friends, what would the world be like if we suffered like Jesus? It could be wonderful because suffering's inevitable. But what happened if we suffered like Jesus as we walked through the inevitable suffering? Can you imagine how your family life would be if we all treated one another with such grace and love like Jesus did in the midst of his suffering? When, when, um, when, something, when somebody was hurting, he stopped and he rendered help and aid. Can you imagine what it would be like? It'd be like heaven on earth. And that's God's plan for his church. We're outposts of heaven. Your family is an outpost of heaven where we live like heaven on earth because we live with the king of glory and Jesus and filled with our spirit. God inviting us to say, you can live like Jesus because I've put my spirit within you. So this week, we're going to dwell in the suffering and the death of Jesus. And maybe before today you said, who would ever want to do this? Can you kind of understand how this could be a really good thing as we dwell in the suffering and the death of Jesus and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what could be in my life as I learn to suffer like Jesus. And I understand that he's going to call me to let things die that need to die. Because next week, what are we going to talk about? The resurrection. Public life. Suffering and death. But what comes? What's the Christian cycle? Resurrection. Jesus is going to invite us to let those deaths bring something better into our lives. On the handout that you have available for you this week, you're going to find the grace I seek you're going to find some suggested scriptures that would be good places to dwell on. You don't have to follow those, but just good places to dwell on if you're looking for direction. These three points are, are directions you could go on, saying how could this thinking of suffering and death, how could, what would this be? Maybe you're going to come up with a hundred other ones, but these three are good guides on some things you could think about. And it's going to be the spiritual practice. And every week's a different spiritual practice. And the spiritual practice for this week I'm going to suggest is something that Ignatius used, they called the examen. The examine is so you can say examine, it's spelled the same. It's a way, and it's explanations on your handout, just a way of daily taking time to sit back, generally at the end of the day or first thing in the morning, think of the day before, and just kind of meandering through your day with the Lord and looking for where the Lord's activity was present. Looking to where do we see God doing things? How can I celebrate that? And we're because you're going to see God's going to take you're going to walk through some suffering. You're maybe walking through some suffering. And you're going to be able to see God in the midst of it. 
That's why I chose the examine for this week. Is greater explanation of it on your handout that you can look at if you so choose. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, help us to experience the depth of your love this week as we contemplate your suffering and your death. Lord, we live in a culture that does everything it can to avoid suffering and to avoid even talking about death, this idea of letting things go in particular. It's all about getting more, thinking that getting more is always better, but Lord, there's some things that need to die in us so that they have stopped holding us back from all that you offer to us as we're clinging on to things of this world that are really empty and shallow, you have so much more for us. And we know that comes through death, and part of death is suffering. So, Lord, we need to understand this better than we do because we don't, because it's just not part of our functioning in our world. We're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to help us grow, to help our minds to understand more fully than we do today the blessing that can come out of understanding suffering and death, that we can have a different perspective so that we don't go off the train every time bad things happen, off the tracks, and think, oh God, where are you? We can understand that like Jesus, you know, at Gethsemane, he knew you were right there. And he said, Father, Father, Abba, Father. Mold us into the people who can reflect Jesus' reality as we walk through suffering in this life so that the world can see that you are real because we are different. God, help us not to find our models in this world, but help us find our models in the pages of Scripture. Particularly you, Jesus. So Lord, I, I surrender our hearts. We surrender our hearts to you today. I ask you, God, this today and this week, would you help us to be shaped and formed and molded as we consider the suffering and death of Jesus as we want to be more like you at the end of this month we want to be more like you I want to be more like you we trust you to do Jesus Amen I'm going to ask you to hold hold on for a minute before you leave I'm going to pray a blessing at the end but I just want to I need to make an announcement to everybody. Just hold on for a minute before you go. As of today, um, just letting you know that Harold and Amy Burke will no longer be leading our kids' ministry at Portview Church. As some of you already know, they have been going through some very difficult personal problems, and those personal issues have brought about their decision, this decision, um, to, to um, be free from this responsibility in order to focus on other things in their life. I want to make it clear, and this is wording from our myself and our board, make it clear that there has, been not, there has not been any moral failing that has led to this, that this is about their own personal life situation. And my hope is that as a church, we will pray for them and give them space. It's not time for any of us to seek information from them or for anyone to spread rumors or gossip of something you may or may not know or know half of. Some of that damage has already been done by half-truths. Again, this is not tied to any moral failing. 
It is about their personal life situation. So just understand that from today on, Harold and Amy will not be um, leading our kids' ministry at Portview. Because of that, um, we have a great opportunity, and always these situations are opportunities. This is a great opportunity, number one. We're beginning a search for another person to fill that role in our church, and we don't know who that person is right now, um, but God does. And because of that, it's going to be some time until that's probably filled to find that person. Here is the opportunity that we have. I was thinking honestly today, and I thought, how can I preach the sermon and then shift this gear right away? I was going to honestly have a shirt made that showed a salmon swimming upstream going up a waterfall. You know the expression, you're like a salmon swimming upstream? We as a church need to come to an understanding. I mean this with the most seriousness. I actually think it's an incredibly important, this timing to be at, at, the, at the topic we're dealing with, about suffering, death, letting things die. As a church, we need to come to an understanding that if we don't become like salmon swimming upstream, the church as we know it, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about Portugal, I'm talking about the church as we know it, will not exist in a short period of time. And I am not being an alarmist. Um, the church has degenerated into a place where a couple of paid professionals do 90% of everything and a few other people volunteer once in a while. I asked Suzanne the other day and I asked Mitch, who grew up in church. I did not grow up in church. I said, in all of the programs that you had for your kids' ministry, and you grew up in the day when Royal Rangers and Missionettes were the heyday for the Assemblies of God. Very great programs that almost don't exist. And the reason they don't exist is because people will not serve in them. They didn't exist because there's not children who need to be ministered to. When every Sunday school class you, caught, you had, was not one was ever taught by a pastor. So all the Wednesday night activities, all the Sunday morning activities outside of preaching were all run by people in the church. And I don't say this with the slightest bit of guilt for anybody. I'm saying... If we don't grasp the fact that we better become salmon swimming upstream of the current culture of our world, the church that we, as we know it for raising our kids and our grandkids will not exist. See, I can see the end of the race. I'm not that old, but in a little while I turn 57, you know. So I'm, I'm getting near the end. My kids are like, Dad, you're that old. Like, you're old, you know. Literally, the Lord spoke to me a while back. I said, God, why am I even here anymore? here doing this ministry because I'm a church planter and I needed church planting skills to help transition Portview 12 years ago. And I felt the Lord say, you're here for the young guys. I can't tell you how much time Suzanne and I have spent with young pastors this last week trying to help them navigate, outside our church, navigate this culture that's sweeping them everybody the wrong direction. There is a, the cultural current is only getting ramped up, my friends. And I say this for this, God God's plan to change the world and to save the world is the local church filled with families. The institutions that God created, we see very clearly, are the family and the church and civil government. Those are all under God's, under God's authority. And this is going to give us an incredible opportunity to say we're going to be salmon swimming upstream. We're going to go against the trend of our culture and we're going to say, God, where do I fit? And so there's going to be incredible opportunity for all of us to love on the kids of our church. And that's the main thing. We're mainly in this situation, mainly talking about the kids who are in grade school. Our birth through 
free school are all taken care of under the leadership of Diane and a lot of volunteers. Our, pre- our, our, our youth group now, we have Andre on staff, and we do need more leaders for that. Literally, you understand this? This is the truth about our, about our kids' ministry right now. There's only, after about one or two more weeks, there's only two leaders from four churches that are going to participate to help Andre. Brett and Taya. That's it. Not another person. Mitch is switching gears because he's doing youth, but he's switching gears. So in our youth group, junior high to senior high, we literally have two people running church and one's my own child. In our grade school, we have a handful, small handful of people. And so a lot's put on their shoulders. We talked to one person today who literally said, I just can't keep doing this. I'm holding all the load. One person saying, I'm holding all the load for our ministry to our, to our grade school age kids. K, or fifth grade, or first grade through fifth grade. And so an opportunity to ask the Lord, um, if I'm going to swim upstream, Lord, what, do I, what part do I play in the church that you've brought me to? In the church that you've made me a part of? What part do I play? And some of us, that part to play is loving on our kids. It's not difficult. Matter of fact, around here, it's a different thing. It used to be, you know, a person served in a, in a ministry for 25 years. Now we try to say, would you serve once a month? You know, once a month. And so we're going to be, I'm going to be calling people. I'm hoping some of you call me. And the Lord just does this. But I'm going to be calling people because especially we would love some husband and wife teams on Sunday mornings to say, this is going to be an opportunity because we're going to have a lack to say, who wants to get involved? Most people hopefully will be involved even beyond when we hire somebody else because we need to hire somebody in that position. But that husband and wife teams, that doesn't have to be husband and wife teams, would say, you know what, I'll take a Sunday a month and I'll love on our kids and we'll have all the curriculum and we'll, be able to, we'll do the prep for you. But that you come in and you love on the kids once a month in our kids' church. So that's on Sunday mornings we're looking for. Wednesday nights, the honest question we have to have is, can we even maintain it? Because we have like one or two people in that age who ever even will help, will agree to help, no matter who we ask. And so the question is, do we even, can we even keep Wednesday night going for our grade school age kids? Now, we're not in the best, we're, get this, we're one of the only churches in the entire area anymore who even has Wednesday night programs for their kids. And you know why, they, why we're the only ones left? Because all the other churches gave up already because they couldn't get anybody to love on their kids. I'm just saying this. I'm not, I'm honestly, hear my heart, I'm not guilting anybody. If that's the direction it's going to go, that's the direction. I see the finish line. I'll lead a house church for my grandkids if I have to someday. You know, Josh is going, no, you won't, I will. <laughs> I'll be involved. <laughs> but we got to be, we, we have to be salmon swimming upstream here. We're not going to, we can change the culture one person at a time, but we have to understand the culture is against us. Everything is pushing against us. And that's not, I'm not defeated by that. I'm not upset by that. I just recognize it for what it is. But I'm saying if, and I'm not saying we got to maintain what we've always had, because guess what? COVID's given us a great chance to refocus and do something better. But here's the deal. We, this is a great opportunity where because of the, the sadness and the, the tragedy of, of a family in our church um, and their own personal struggles, um, the reason they were put in this position is because they did everything. They, they volunteered and they did everything. And it was like, hey, simple to put them in. They were doing everything. Let them keep doing everything. We'll just give them a job doing everything. But guess what? There's no other person I see that was when we went through transition. Like, well, here's the, here's the heir apparent. 
But you know what? We can all, a whole bunch of us can be heir apparents. A whole bunch of us can find a place to fit um, in ministering in many ways, but one of the ways is ministering to our kids. And so if the Lord's going to tug on your heart at all, tell me. We're going to have to figure out how to keep our Wednesday night ministry going and get better. It needs to get better. And our Sunday morning kids' church going and get better. We might make some changes. We might make some changes that the kids stay in here in the beginning and they go through worship and then we release them and it's only a 45-minute block of time and you're doing a lesson and some games or something, that kind of stuff. But, but the main thing of, that, that of all our kids' Um, the main thing in church, especially birth through uh, fifth grade, is that they understand that this is a place to be loved. You don't have to be a great teacher. You don't have to be, you know, so oh, I don't have the gifts. You know what? If you have the love of Christ, you have whatever gifts you need to love on a kid for Jesus. And the more, the merrier. The more we get, the easier it is because people don't do it as often and we have more people in there. And guess, get this, the, the needs of our kids, like never before, are ramped up. I've never experienced something like it. The amount of kids with very real problems, like emotional problems um, in their lives. And so the more people we can have ministering, the easier it is to just love on those kids well. So be asking the Lord this week. Suffering and death. There might be some, you might say, well, that sounds like suffering. Maybe it's what God wants you to do. It shouldn't be suffering, but maybe it is. But death, maybe there's a death of something. Maybe you've got to give up, you've got to give up some freedom. In order to be, all together we swim upstream against a cultural current for the good of the world and the good of our church and the good of our families and the good of other people's families. And so, um, I believe it's an incredible opportunity. That's the way I feel. I have no idea how it's going to work out. I think it's a great opportunity to go forward, to get better. And um, we're going to watch it happen. And so, pray for the Burks. And again, it's really not the time to reach out to them. Um, and that's to say that sounds so harsh. It's not. It's for their sake. Um, because there's just a lot of personal turmoil going on. And you're going to get two different sides. And it's just not going to be healthy for anybody. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Jesus, you are a good, or Father, you are a good, good Father. And Lord, we look today at this amazing love that you have, that you would die for us. And we ask this, in light of the reality that you died for us, what should our response be? What deaths are there? What what even sacrifices are there? Sufferings are there? That could all be part of living the most glorious, fulfilled life in the world. And Lord, I understand. We understand. We are salmon swimming upstream. We really are. The culture is going the wrong way. We understand that. But we're not. We want to. You said you know, about spiritual warfare. Do everything you can stand to do to stand and then stand firm. Lord, that's who we are. We're going to do everything we can to stand, then we're going to stand firm. This church has had your hand upon it for 40 plus years, and the the reality of your goodness has been shed abroad in this place for, for decades. And we know that your future going forward is bright. So Lord, we pray. Help us navigate this time in a way that we become better. So Lord, we are yours. We love you. We give our hearts to you. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name.